0: This week on Inside Motorsport, we take a look at the world of motorsport with Lachlan Mansell. I hope you stay with us. Well, Lachlan Mansell joins us on Inside Motorsport once again. And lucky for a motor racing fan, it's been a very interesting time through the COVID-19 shutdown. And before we talk about uh, the first, Big motor race that has been held at Sydney Motorsport Park last weekend. How did you survive the lockdown period as a small businessman who's involved in the motorsport industry?
1: Well, Frank, I survived by getting involved very heavily in the online pit race team, which bloated in popularity during the COVID nineteen pandemic. I mean, there were a number of real life captains that went and set up their own virtual equivalent versions. Zeg series and, and the ARG Exports Cup being the two most prominent ones here in Australia. But I think that uh, it really thrust the spotlight onto the online sim racing world and even though you know those those categories with real life drivers you see it virtually grabbed most of the needier attention, once you dug a little bit deeper, as I did, you came to realise just how big the sim racing um, even before COVID 19, and um, in the face of COVID 19, it's expanded even more. So, I've ended up doing a lot of commentary to sim racing events. I even fired up my own sim racing news website, simracingodds.com, to report and cover some of the major sim racing events focusing on the, the Australian competitions. And from what I've seen, I've actually been really impressed with the professionalism and the dedication of some of the top-level sim racing competitors.
0: Mm. It has got a a little bit of a crossover between real-life races and sim races as it's been well-documented over the COVID-19 shutdown. Do you feel that the growth in sim racing through this period will sustain and and continue on? I think it will. I think
1: that a lot of people now have realised the potential of sim racing. There's a lot of people who have invested quite a lot of money into thin racing equipment. And not only that, but I think more and more, people are starting to recognise the value of thin racing as a pathway to real-life motorsport. And we saw that two supercars teams, Erebus Motorsport and Matt Stone Racing, both ran competitions to give thin racing competitors the opportunity to make the transition to real-life motorsport. And in the case of Matt Stone Racing, the winner of that competition actually won a test driving one of the Matt Stone Racing supercars. So I think it runs a couple of ways. So on one hand, you've got the fact that the sim technology is constantly improving and becoming more realistic, so the similarities from jumping out of the sim into a real life race car and becoming greater. But on the other side of the equation, racing cars are becoming more like driving on a a simulator as well because you're getting things like paddle shifts and various driver aids and assists. So more and more, sim racing is going to be seen as a genuine pathway for people wanting to make a professional career in real-life motorsport.
0: Well, moving from sim racing to racing last weekend at Sydney Motorsport Park, the AASA, the Australian Autosport Alliance, held their first Post COVID nineteen meeting, how did that go?
1: That was just fantastic, Craig. To be back at a real-life racetrack, as good as the racing stuff has been, and as thoroughly entertaining as a lot of those online racing events have uh, have been, nothing beats being at a real racetrack and hearing the sound of real race car engines that um, and being trackside for it So. The event, just to clarify, it was actually run and promoted by MRA, Motor Racing Australia, which is Terry Denivan is the promoter, but double ASA, the Australian Sport Alliance, was the sanctioning body for that event. So it was a single day race meeting held at Motor Motorsport Park. And because there are still some quite rigorous social distancing restrictions in place, Terry and the organisers had to be quite creative. Format for the race meeting. So, we had a situation to minimise the num- number of people on site at City Motorsport Park at any one time, where one category would arrive, they would do their qualifying session and their race or their races, and then those cars would pack up and go home, and then the next category would come in and do their qualifying and races, and so you would go through the day in that sort of format, which did produce a few challenges because uh, the turnaround times between sessions were a lot tighter than what teams are typically used to. I mean, on a normal race weekend if you've got, say, qualifying and three races, normally because you're going to have other categories on in between, you might have a couple of hours turnaround in between sessions. Uh, On the weekend, uh, the turnaround time for most categories was only 10 or 15 minutes in between each session. So, they put the emphasis on competitors needing to make sure that their cars turned up to the track in a reliable state and didn't need anything other than very, very basic maintenance in between sessions, because there wasn't a whole lot of time to be able to do mechanical work on the cars in between sessions and races. And, and not only that, there was a strict restriction on the number of pit crews that were allowed as well. Each team was only allowed to driver plus one additional pit crew member. So Produced some challenges, but uh, the entry numbers were fantastic. I think the smallest sale that we had was 28 cars for the XLs, and uh, two of the categories, the Pulsars and the Improved Production Championship, both had sales of over 40 cars. So, an absolutely massive turnout, which just demonstrated everybody's eagerness to be back on track.
0: Was there much talk about having the format? Because road racing compared to, say, Speedway, where you might get there at 5 o'clock and you'd packed up and gone by 11, is one of the attractions for it, as opposed to a, a road racing meeting where you get there on Thursday or Friday and then you're not leaving there till 6 o'clock Sunday night.
1: Yeah, it's a good point, actually. And I think there were some competitors who didn't like the fact that all of their racing was over and done within a very short space of time because it meant that uh, again because it was a single day race meeting as well they could go and spend the rest of their weekends doing doing other activities but still got to enjoy going racing as well other thing that was interesting too is that we had some quite high profile drivers turning up so again just to show everybody's desperation back on the track we saw Anthony De Pasquale and Brock Steen Paul Morris and, um, and Brody Kostecki were, were at the track as well, um, competing in the uh, the XL. Paul actually had a drive in the Pulsar series. But the others were running in the XLs, which had a one-hour endurance race, which uh, Anthony Pasquale and Brock ended up winning. And uh, not only that, but they brought down Roland Dane to manage the team and be part of their pit crew for the weekend. So for what is ostensibly a grassroots, one-level motorsport category, there were some very, very big hitters and uh, high-profile names in attendance.
0: Mm. It sounds like it was an interesting weekend. Now, do you see when the MRA series has its next round in, uh, what's that, the 5th of July? Do you think that there'll be similar restrictions in place or do you think we'll see a bit of a loosening up and a return to a more traditional track uh, race meeting?
1: Well, we are starting to see, aren't we, with um, state governments and the federal government, the restrictions are gradually easing off. So I think we'll be in a situation where each race meeting from now on might have slightly looser restrictions than the one prior, provided we don't get a second COVID 19 wave, which uh, we're all very much hoping that doesn't happen because uh, obviously. That was to happen and we would go back into lockdown again, then uh, that would shut everything down once again, which would be less than ideal. So, fingers crossed uh, that we can get back to some form of normality. I mean, for me, the big thing is that it would be good to see spectators of the track. Unfortunately, there were no spectators allowed to attend Sydney over-sport park on the weekend. good news was that the event was live-streamed, as uh, the live-streaming numbers were tremendous. I think it was... Over 5,000 people tuned in for the live stream on Saturday, which is a really, really um, exceptional number for, for any sort of grassroots motor motorsport event. Mm.
0: For MRA, the next round July 5 at Sydney Motorsport Park before there is uh, two rounds at Wakefield Park, will they be trying to make up the couple of rounds they missed during the shutdown period?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I think that they're just going to ha- go ahead with the remaining rounds on the schedule. But the big one that they missed um, back in May was the round that was supposed to have 300 km to the 300-kilometre endurance race at Sydney Motorsport Park. And uh, I was having a chat to Terry again about that on the weekend and he said that, unfortunately, that race was just not going to be able to go ahead in 2020, but he is hopeful of it returning in 2021 as part of the Australian 1,000 Championship, and also encompasses the Wakefield and the Winton 300
0: insurance races. Mm. All right, so winners across the weekend from the classes out there. Now, was Super TT part of the action as well?
1: Yeah, Super TT was part of the action, so they had a couple of half-hour races. Really, really enjoyed Super TT because it's uh, what is described as a which basically means that people can rock up with any sort of race car that they like. So we had literally everything from front-wheel drive Honda Integra's to, you know, Nissan Silvia's with high horsepower turbocharged engines to smaller four-cylinder cars as well. Always produces good racing because the cars have got different strengths of wagons in different parts of the track. We saw that Ashley Slavkovich in his Nissan Silvia was very quick and won one of the half-hour races. The other race went through Hall in the BYP Honda Integra. Uh, in the Pulsars, really, really entertaining racing. Josh Craig won the first race. The second Pulsar race was won by Tim collins who had to send off a straight train of cars for the entire race. With four cars going two and three wide into turn one pretty much every lap. So that was a mega race, the, the second of the Pulsar races. And uh, in the improved production category, really, really good performance from young Kurt McCready in the under-2-layer Nissan Sylvia, because he actually managed to win outright two out of the three races, beating home a lot of the over-2-layer improved production cars. So really, really good performance from him. Uh, in the Mazda MX-5s, we saw uh, Todd Herring and, uh, and his brother Tim Herring, and uh, also Andy Harris were very quick. Uh, and like I mentioned as well in the Hyundai Excel endurance race, not really any surprise to see Anton D. Squally and is teaming up to take victory in that one.
0: Mm. Well, Lachlan, always a pleasure to catch up with you and look forward to seeing how uh, the different series you're involved with manage to uh, return to racing across the rest of this year. And I look forward to catching up with you further throughout 2020 to uh, see how the MRA and, of course, Winton, Wakefield Park and all those series are clicking along.
1: Big Craig. can't wait till they trackside and catch up with everyone. It's, uh, it's been uh, it's a little while between drinks, so uh, yeah, looking forward to being back at the race track, for sure.
0: That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.